The Go Radio Network, in conjunction with BlogTalkRadio.com, presents The Comedy Shack. Greetings and salutations to you. I'm Joy Harris, and thank you for joining me this week. For those of you listening live or later on demand via Bluetooth, headphones in your car or on your computer, notebook, netbook, tablet, or phone, I am proud and humbled that you've joined me for this show this week. Hello? Hello? I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. I heard somebody uh, come over my headphones. Uh, But uh, thank you for joining me, and let's continue to grow the show. Uh, Tell a friend about the Comedy Shack, and also uh, contact me via Twitter at TheJoeyHairs, T-H-E-J-O-E-Y-H-A-R-R-I-S. And also you can email me, JoeyHairsComedy, at gmail.com. How was your week? I hope you all had a great week. And for those of you joining me live, it is Saturday night at 7 p.m. For those of you maybe enjoying your dinner or uh, pre-dinner drinks or after-dinner drinks or coffee or Maybe you've got a sink up and you're headed out for a night on the town. We do thank you for joining us here at the Comedy Shack. Had another week of ups and downs, ins and outs, and horrible. Mostly good, some setbacks, but as I told a friend of mine last night, you know, <clears throat> I can't handle how people treat me. I can only handle how I react to their treatment. And if life throws you in a lemon, and peel those lemons, make a lemon meringue pie, and then save the peeling for potpourri. That's how you turn that situation into a good situation. But that's what I've been trying to do, see the positive outlook on life instead of the negative. <clears throat> I do ask for your uh, good thoughts and for those of you who are believers for your prayers and um, your your thoughts and, and wishes uh my dad has suffered for almost 20 years now with Crohn's disease and had a flare-up this week, and he is currently in the hospital, but hopefully on the mend, and hopefully he'll be back home uh, tomorrow. But I do ask that you uh, lift him up in your prayers and, and keep him in your thoughts. Uh, it's just something that he deals with, and he deals with it wonderfully, but you know, sometimes life in the field and flare-ups happen and you readjust and you deal with it. That's the way we all have to deal with life. <clears throat> but on the brighter side of life, let's get to this week's joke. Uh, I, I really like it. I think it's a good one and I hope you enjoy it too. A uh, young man is working at a jewelry store and it's very late in the day on Friday afternoon and an older man with white hair comes in with this beautiful, gorgeous, younger woman in her early 20s with like, you know, a model, just, you know, the type with all the curves and everything. And she's got her arm hooked around this man's um, arm, and they come in and he says, uh, young man, I'd like to see your best diamond ring, please. The young man sizes the old man up and thinks, you know, 
this guy doesn't have anything. So he brings out an okay ring, a modest ring, costs about a thousand dollars, and the older man says, "No, young man, I don't think you understand. I'm gonna need better ring than that." And the young man says, "Oh, no problem, sir. I'll show you something else." And he goes to the back and he brings out a ring that was a little bit bigger than the previous ring, and this one cost about five thousand dollars. And he said, "No, no, no, son." I want your best ring to this young lady. And he brings out this beautiful, gorgeous, big diamond ring, beautiful setting. It just looks perfect, worth about $40,000. And the man says, that's it. And the woman looks at the ring, she just shivers with uh, anticipation and delight. And the young man says, well, sir, how would you like to pay for this? And the man says, I'll write a check. And I know that you need to wait uh, to see that the check clears with my bank. I tell you what, I will write the check the full amount now, the $40,000, and you hold it and the ring. And on Monday, after the bank opens with the check, the check will, uh, money will clear my bank account, and I will pick up the ring then. And the man says, that'll be wonderful, sir. And the old man and the young woman leave. <laughs> Monday morning, the old man comes in by himself and the Bank, uh, the, I mean, the jewelry clerk looks at him and says, I called the bank, and there's no money in that account. And the old man says, I know, but let me tell you about the weekend that I had. I thought that was a, a really, really, really good joke. And I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the, the setup. It's what's known as a, a shaggy dog story that you can add to it and, and embellish things and drag it out. Then you have at the very end, that punchline that pays off the entire story. So I just love stories like that. Leading us into our recommendation of the week. This week's recommendation, Iron Man 3. I don't get a chance to go out and about other than, you know, visiting some comedy clubs and, and doing normal errands during the week. Um, because I'm trying to get my life back on track and, and have a steady income and, and, and more more stability in my life. I don't get a chance to go out and about that often. But I did treat myself this week to going to see Iron Man 3. And I call it, it's a good summer popcorn movie. This is never going to be the best movie of the year. It's never going to win the best picture of the year. But... It's simply that, a good popcorn movie, a good summer popcorn movie. It's entertaining. And that's all you really need to ask for your um, movie. You know, I, I enjoy Shakespeare, enjoy reading Shakespeare, and Shakespeare done well. There's nothing better. But this isn't Shakespeare, nor is it trying to be, nor should it really be. Shakespeare has his place, and entertainment like this has its place. You know, Robert Downey Jr., um, Gwyneth Paltrow, uh, Don Cheadle, uh, Sir Ben Kingsley is in this, and it's just a fantastic good summer blockbuster. They officially kicked off the summer movie season, which we will um, get into more. Several films on the see. Great Gatsby comes out this week. Um, Star Trek and the Darkness comes out. This um, this upcoming Friday, Great Gatsby, of course, premiered yesterday. But it's out this 
week. Um, Hangover 3, Man of Steel, the Wolverine. list just goes on and on and on. <clears throat> but Iron Man 3, the perfect blockbuster that builds on the previous two films as well as the Avengers film that was just fantastic last summer. And it talks about the fallout from that, which I thought was very well done. The fallout from the Avengers movie. I mean, you know, if you haven't seen that, I recommend that. Go out and see the Avengers and then go see this film that follows up on that beautifully and really does something interesting with the character of Tony Stark in that he suffers personal consequences from the previous film. He's having trouble with what happened in the Avengers film, and and he goes into that, and I think Robert Downey Jr. just handles that uh, magnificently. But I was thinking about myself when I went to see this. I went Tuesday night uh, on my own. The picture started at 7.30. I got there a little bit early, bought my ticket, went uh, to the restroom, washed my hands, and and face, and, and then came back out and treated myself to a Diet Coke and a box of those cinnamons. And then they finally opened up the theater, and a bunch of people went to see this. There's 20, 20, 30 people going to go see the movie, and I sat in the back. I hate sitting uh, up front. I sat up front uh, about 15 years ago when Escape from L.A. came out, and I sat in the front row. And it just, you know, it's too big and it's too overwhelming. So I like to sit in the back. And, of course, you don't want to be like this, but I'm like this. And, and if I'm the only one, then that's a good thing. I don't think I'm the only one, but you can't say that, oh, you're the only one that thinks that. But I still am very wary after last summer of going to the movie theaters, especially with everything that's happened in the past. Years, you know, you're not really safe anyway, but I think you always need to be alert. Of course, you have a good time wherever you go. You can't let uh, fear take over your life. You have to live your life at the at the end of the day. But you know, I was very conscious of my aware of surroundings of the people who were coming into the theater and, and walking in. I said, you know what? I can't do a lot. I don't consider myself a brave man, but. If something were to happen, if somebody just wanted to attack me personally and had my soda there, I could throw at them. And I, I turned my phone off. I, I, I want to concentrate on the film that I'm seeing because it, it costs so much to go to the theater. My ticket was eight dollars just by myself. You had a family of four. You're well over thirty dollars just for the tickets, and then you know, popcorn or refreshments. You, you uh, spent some serious money just to go to the to the movie so you can enjoy the film and you know, I, I encourage all of you to turn your phones off. You know, there's nothing in the world that can't wait two or two and a half hours. So I turned my my phone off but I had it right there next to me and I was just uh prepared for anything. And also I'm not the person that the type of person that likes to um, scold or teach anyone. But what happened to 
just couldn't handle it anymore. I went out with a and met a young lady for breakfast this morning, and I told her then uh, we got to this table we went through. It's a great little bakery uh, cafe type place. You have to you go through you order your your meal or in this case they make a, it's a great variety of uh like confection and um donuts and pastries. A, a great variety of pastries and we ordered a half dozen to split and, and sit down and I told her I said I'm gonna leave my phone on the table but I'm gonna turn it off just so that I can give her the respect of our conversation. And that's something that I think is just lost in today's society. Just, you know, take a few minutes away and really reconnect with people. That will cure more societal ills than anything else. There's nothing wrong with the phone. You know, that's how I'm coming to you each and every week here on, on the Go Radio Network with the Comedy Shack through the, you know, wonder of the phone. My phone has more... Uh, power and memory in it than what the astronaut took to the moon back in the 60s. I think that's fantastic. But, you know, we're turning the TV off, get away from the phones and the Internet. It will still be there when you when you come back through the DVR and the see it later online. You never really miss anything. And let's reconnect with that, the outside. Let's move around more. You know what? Go take a, a walk and, and listen to some music or go around outside to inhale the fresh air and play with your kids and reconnect with friends. Sit down and write an old-fashioned letter to someone. Even if you never send it, it will do just wonders for your self-esteem and your well-being. And let's reconnect. And when you go out to a fancy restaurant or just a fast food place with somebody else, put your phones away, you know, and just have a good conversation with people. Go to the movies. Enjoy the movie. If it's a bad movie, then you can tweet about it and Facebook about it, blog about it after it's done. But enjoy that track. So. That's my little rant of the week, I guess. Not really a rant, but just, you know, let's, let's bring some civility back to life. And But, you know, a couple more things on Iron Man 3. It's a great movie that sets up the next phase of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The first Iron Man set up that universe that I call the Avengers Universe, you know, with S.H.I.E.L.D. and Captain America and Incredible Hulk, Thor, that entire universe just sets up the next chapter. From Iron Man through the Avengers was the first chapter. And this is sets up the next phase of that Marvel Cinematic Universe. Along with something I saw yesterday, I'm very excited about it. If you follow me on Twitter, I believe I sent a tweet out about it. ABC has picked up J.J. Abrams' agent for S.H.I.E.L.D., shows, um, which will be set in that same universe, and maybe you'll see people from the movie cross over into the uh, television, so I think it's just going to be just 
just a great show, and I'm looking forward to that coming this fall from ABC. And now we've come to the salute to those who have passed this past week. Mario Mercado, 78, American journalist and actor. He's been on a lot of things, Scarface, the RoboCop movies. He's also a very big and very uh, popular American journalist. Taylor Mead, 88, American writer, actor, and performer. Also been a, a lot of things. Jenny Cooper, 84, American actress, best known for her role with Catherine Chancellor on The Young and the Rest. Um, and her son is well-known actor Corbin Burnson from L.A. Law, Saeed Houston, and a ton of things. Everybody knows who Corbin Burnson is. But he just sent out some wonderful things about this, his mother this week, and, and she will be this. Jack Butler, 85, American football player and Hall of Famer, died earlier today. God's being, and we wish you all well. And that's just the lead to those who passed. Which brings us to our next feature, which is our Trailblazer feature. And this is where we take a few minutes and examine those who have paved the, paved the way in comedy for those of us who try to follow in their, their footsteps. And we just take a few minutes and discuss the life and careers of those people who stepped out and took a risk. So this week's Trailblazer, one of my personal favorites, Red Fox. Born John Elroy Sanford, December 9th, 1922, St. Louis, Missouri. His father left the family when Red was four years old, and he was primarily raised by uh, the family, his mother, his grandmother, and family minister. So they were big influences on his life after his father had left, um, had left his life. And I believe later on, that he reconnected with his father briefly, but I do know that he had a uh, uh, bit about his father that he used to say that his father, um, uh, tobacco killed his father. He was run over by a cigarette truck in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Uh, In the 1940s, he was an associate of Malcolm X. And Malcolm X's autobiography, He's known as Chicago Red, the funniest dishwasher ever. And he was known as Red for his reddish hair and complexion that comes from his uh, different nationalities, uh, both of his parents. He had that that white reddish complexion, and his his hair in his earlier days was a, a, a kickoff or a shade off of that red, so... He was just known as as Red, and so when he started performing in the nightclubs, and also he he did some singing. He took that name, Chicago Red. He took Red, added a D, Red R E D D, and then took his surname from uh, baseball player Jimmy Fox. So 
R E D D F O X X Red Fox. Gained notoriety with his nightclub act in the 50s and 60s. And if you listen to him today, you may get a different perception or a different perspective than what would happen if you listen to them back when they were first performed. It was very raunchy for the time and very risque. And uh, he, he signed a contract and later recorded over 50 comedy records. And he was known as the king of the party records. People would have record parties. And they would come, invite their friends over and they'd have drinks and food, of course. But then they put on a comedy record. And these people would just sit around and listen to these and, and Red Fox, there's no better person than Red Fox. And if you have satellite radio, they play him uh, a lot on the foxhole, and, and we'll get to that in, in just a few minutes. Achieved his biggest fame, of course, most well-known for the show, Sanford and Son. Adapted from the BBC show, Stepso and Son. This um so it ran for six seasons on NBC, produced by Norman Lear of All in the Family, Maud, Good Times. Same for his son was another feather in his cat, but produced and uh, aired on ABC instead of CBS, where uh, his other shows were being produced at the time. Show ran for six seasons and only ended because Red Fox didn't want to do it anymore. still very popular in the ratings, but Fox had a tumultuous uh, relationship with the studio and network. In fact, if you're a fan of Sanford and Son, there's a group of episodes right in the middle of the series that he is not in, and they write his character, Fred Sanford, as having visiting St. Louis, and his friend Grady is um, brought in and fulfills that fatherly role, of course, with Devon Wilson playing Lamont, Fred, um, and that dynamic between the two of uh, Red Fox and Devon Wilson was one of the cornerstones of that show as, as much as the what I call the Fred Sanford walk, that stumbling gate where he didn't really bend his knees. He, he just kind of separated his legs and then just walked without bending his knees across. And the way that he held his hand and that he would always, you know, make that claw with his hand and say that he had arthritis and he couldn't help with not. And, of course, talking to his dead wife naming that he was having a heart attack and saying, did you hear that, Elizabeth? I'm coming to join you. That's all just so well-known, and it was a testament, really, to Red Fox's comedic timing and acting ability that that character is still so well-known today, 40 years after the fact. And he also gave a lot of work in the nightclub circuit and in Las Vegas to his friend, Don Don Baxter, Slappy White, 
the one that Paige played in asked her. This goes on and on and on. If you start in that show, a lot of them he knew from his club days and his fellow performers, and he just hit it big and didn't forget his friends and brought them along with him. So that's really a testament to his character, I believe. But after six years, he leaves San Francisco. He goes on and has for a short time his own variety show, but that did not last long. And a few years later, tempted probably by money, as most things are, he brings the character of Fred Sanford back in a short-lived revival. I think they got maybe two seasons or a season and a half of episodes out of it in the short uh, lived show Sanford. Damon Wilson did not want to bring, did not want to reprise his role as Lamont, so they had him going off and working um, on an oil tanker in Alaska. But Lamont's friend Cal comes in and stays with Fred. And um, most of the other players did make some sort of appearance, especially um, Wanda Page and Esther. And if you have never seen it and you ever run across of it, it's not as good as Sanford's Son, but it's an interesting show in its own right. Have you ever seen it? Sometimes BET uh, used to play it. Sometimes uh, if they have a retrospective on TV One or on some of these uh, niche channels. If you ever come across it or if you can find it online, I don't know if it's online and, and you know, wouldn't know where to tell you, but if you ever find the show Stanford, sit down and give it a give it a um a look. It's it's an interesting uh show and an interesting concept. But that lasted a little while in the early eighties. Then he had the show the Red Fox show in the mid eighties that was cancelled for low ratings after twelve weeks. And then he kind of hit it big with his comeback vehicle, the Royal Family, in the 1990s. And he's working on that and just making very good ratings for the time. Coast Guard is old friend, Della Reese. They were very close at, at the time. When in October of October 11, 1991, during a break in filming, the royal family fought to grab their chair and then fell down to the ground and suffered a heart attack and later subsequently died. And many people found it ironic being known as that Fred Sanford character and the whole heart attack routine they went into. They thought at first maybe he was doing something like that and they laughed and then quickly realized there was something wrong. But had a heart attack and and unfortunately, passed away. Now, during his later years, in the course of his life, he was married four times, earned a lot of money for the time period that he was performing, uh, up to one source that's $4 million per year, which is money now, but if you can imagine during the time that he was making it, but he liked to live the lavish lifestyle, and he um, 
his money, he and then later on managed badly through his own efforts as well as some people he had trusted to manage his money and was virtually broke when he passed away. He was almost $4 million in debt to the IRS, and I think that he would have had a very good shot and would have made that, paid that money back and made a whole lot more and really secured himself had he met with the Royal family. He was doing very well for CBS at the time. But his body of work that he leaves behind is uh, something amazing. Uh, you know, with many people. Chris Rock is a, uh, someone who influenced. In fact, if you watch Chris Rock's sitcom he was in, everybody hates Chris. There's an episode where his parents have one of those parties that I talked about earlier, and Chris hears a Red Fox album and begins his comedy career by retelling the jokes that he heard at school. He influenced Jamie Fox. That's where the Fox and his name comes from, with that Red Fox uh, commentation. Richard Pryor and Eddie Murphy both say that Red Fox influenced them greatly. And of course, Eddie Murphy puts both Richard Pryor and Red Fox into this uh the great film Hall of Night. If you haven't seen that, go out and rent that. It is a great film. Della Reese is in that as well. Just a very funny, very well made film by Eddie Murphy. And so that is this week's um Trailblazer, the great, the just fantastically great Red Fox. Going into our main story uh, this week, uh, before I get in, uh, into what I call the meat of the story, I've got to give you some background, part of which that I've touched on before, but I'm going to bring it up here again so you'll know something. Uh, My parents have Three children. I mentioned that when I first started off the comedy shack, and all of our birthdays are in January, all within the same week. My parents married in 1972. My older sister was born in 1976, and I came along in 1978. At that time, my parents decided that two was enough for them. They had a boy, they had a girl, and that's all they really wanted. So after my mother had me, she had a tube style. Well, fast forward a little bit, and eight years later, they become untied. My mother gets pregnant with my sister. Her and my father came to me and said, how would you like to have a little brother or sister? I didn't know much. At the time, I still don't know much now, so not much has changed. I'm just that older. I don't know about wiser, but I've definitely gotten older. And they say to me, how would you like to have a little brother or sister? I didn't think my mom could have any more kids. Like I, said, I didn't know anything else of it, but maybe I had just guessed by osmosis. And I thought they were going to just adopt a kid from another country or something. But I slowly figured it out. And in January 18th of 1987, my younger sister was born. Now, 
growing up and when she was little, my all of us in my family are bigger people. Not not fat, not huge, not you know, I can't speak for anybody else, of course I'm the the biggest and the diet starts on Monday, by the way. But, you know, we're we're not really hurting for things. But my younger sister was different. She was smaller, she was thinner, she had you know, just sickly um behavior and just something that I'll always remember growing up was that her feet, these small feet would just sweat unbelievably constantly. I mean, we were, she was going through a couple of pairs of socks per day, at least a couple, sometimes three or four. And they would take her to the uh, podiatrist, and the podiatrist said, yeah, this is just, there's something a little off here. and But I can't quite put my finger on it. And also, her baby teeth would just you know, come in at a normal rate, but would just start to decay and rot in her mouth. Just for no no reason whatsoever. I mean, she brushed her teeth as much and, you know, they didn't eat junk food all day every day. What I would consider a normal childhood habit, but it was just something about her. Her teeth were rotting out. Again, take her to the dentist and again, something's not right here. So, made an appointment with our family doctor and he did a full checkup, ordered tests, did x rays and my mother said that she was there with my sister in his office and he comes in and he says, I've already made an appointment for you with Doctor So and so and you need to leave now. Um, there's something not right with her heart. Go now and really don't even stop the red light. So they go off to the doctor and it's discovered that my younger sister was born with a hole in her heart. And so in summer of 1993, she underwent open heart surgery. Six years old, this is a major, major point. One of the bigger points about this is that while they're under undergoing the surgery, uh, she could suffer major blood loss. And as a result of that, they would need to have blood on standby. Now, this is very important for that. She was a negative. Now, it's not the rarest form, but it's, it's not the most common either. 
So he scrambled to get people to find donors who were a negative and willing to donate blood. Because the simple fact is that you can find somebody who was a negative, but are they willing to donate? Not everybody either. People have hang-ups about needles, about giving blood, about that. But for the most part, I think most people are good and are kind and are willing to give blood. But it's just hard to always find donors. So they were able to find enough blood. And my sister goes through the surgery Everything's fine. They repaired the hole in her heart. and uh, She's a successful teacher today. Just got married in October and is out with my mother as we speak, coming up on 20 years since her heart surgery. But the, the main point of my story is that because of that, I recognized the importance of giving blood. And when I became a senior in high school at a blood drive, I was old enough to start giving. I went and I donated for the first time. Um, I don't mind donating. You can take as much blood as you can from me. I just, there's, there's just one thing I don't like. I don't want to have to look at the needle as it's going in my body. I'm fine once it goes in. Not uh, incredibly enthused about looking at a needle in my body, but while I won't have to go in, I just look away or look up at the ceiling. You don't want to see me in my Okay. I go, fill out all my information, go through that little pre interview that they have. But at the time, I believe I was 17 year old. I didn't smoke. I didn't drink. I'd never done drugs. I never had sex. I was as clean as you could be. And so I um, donated blood. And a few weeks passed, and I got a donor card from the Red Cross. And just so happened that, as we thought it would be, my blood type was also a negative. So after that, any time I could get blood, I, I did. I did school blood drives. I did community blood drives. And I continued that with college blood drives after I went away to school. I, I knew about the need personally, as we talked about before. So I'm always there you know, to give blood any time that I can. Did that throughout the first three and a half years of my college career. Then when I was a senior and they had the fall blood drive, I was there. A very good friend of mine was the person ahead of me and two um, people that worked in housing were behind me. We all knew each other. We were all friendly. We were all chatting back and forth about giving. And it was my friend's first or second time. And he was behind her. You know, one of them had given many times. The other person, I believe, was a first time donor. And I gave blood. And again, 
six weeks later, um, my friend gave me a call, and she said, have you gotten your letter yet? Which is never a answer to the uh, question, hello. I said, hello. She said, have you gotten your letter yet? Said, what are you talking about? Your your letter from the Red Cross. I got one today, and uh, actually got one today as well as um, the other young man has gotten one today. Travis. I'm sorry, blank on the name there for a second. Travis actually and my friend JT had all got their letters today and I'm like, I didn't get a letter. She said, You will get a letter. She then goes on to explain that what the letter was and what it said. The letter was from the Red Cross and I don't know all of the full story. This is only what I've been able to piece out from that letter and from what happened around the time. So this is not 100% accurate. This is what my uh, mind is remembering the event as. That day, we all gave blood, along with several other people. Um, The university always stepped up and always had a very good turnout. It's a military town, and like I said before, people are generally good. They'll step up and, and give blood. Everybody who gave blood that day, Amongst them was someone who had hepatitis. And I don't know if something was mixed up or they mixed up the sample, but that was my understanding was that something something was mixed up and they didn't let them sample with who's, or maybe they did that just generally. If that that comes up, everybody's sample is thrown out. That was not my understanding, but understanding was is that that, that day sample, everybody's samples got mixed up and everybody got a letter that they had hepatitis and that they needed to go uh, see a physician right away. Now, as JT was reading the letter and telling me about all of this, my mind was clicking on several things. One, I knew that I didn't have hepatitis and two, I wondered why I had not received my letter because everybody else, they got theirs, and then I remembered why. My letter had been sent out, but it didn't go to me at school. It went to my parents' home address. going to be good because it goes to my home address. I told my mother if any mail ever came to me, she should open it and then just call me and let me know what it was. So I knew that my parents had gotten the letter that day that said that I had hepatitis or there was thought that I had hepatitis. And as soon as I hung up with JP, I got a call from my mother. And in her infinite wisdom, my mother didn't start out with what is going on, what is this letter all about. 
are you okay? No. My mother went ahead and asked me if I slept with books. And I enjoy the fact that I am her son and also that as her son, I know she loves me. I know she cares about me very much, but that her mind did not immediately go to have you been sharing drug needles with people. It immediately went to have you been sleeping with hookers. I told her I had not been sleeping with hookers. How dare she? And then I go on to explain that what had happened. So she goes on and makes an appointment with my family doctor yet again. And at the same time, my father had always been a very big practitioner and a very big proponent of community service and giving back to the community and being an active part of the community that you live in. He had worked as a um, uh, voting precinct person. He had been on the town board for 20 years. He just has always been a believer of giving back. And the man who was mayor for many, many years growing up decided not to speak another term. He had been mayor for almost 20 years and decided that he was retiring and he wanted to spend more time with his wife traveling and golfing and seeing his children and his grandchildren. So he was not run for re-election at the time. So my father ran for election against uh, at least one other person or maybe a couple of people running. But my, and this was big, so the day that I came home for my hepatitis test was also election day. So I go and I see the doctor does his test and his test conclusively proved that I did not have hepatitis. However, as a result of the Red Cross test, I say with quotation marks, I'm on there cannot donate blood lit. And he explained it to me, my doctor explained it to me very simply, their lawyers would not allow me to give blood because even though this test said that I didn't have it, their test did. It was just an unfortunate mix-up, and that's an unfortunate byproduct of it. But I understood that. And at the same time, my, uh, that later that day, I went and voted in. That night, my father was elected mayor of my hometown. Two-year term and he went on to serve uh, three more terms as mayor. So he was a uh, four-term 
mayor of my hometown. But on the day that my father was elected mayor, I learned that I did not, in fact, have hepatitis. And my, little, my mother learned, in fact, that I did not sleep with hookers and get hepatitis as far as she knows. But it's just the craziness of life. And I know last weekend and for the next uh, few weeks, graduation is upon us. And I gave my advice to graduates last week to go out and be all you can be and do all that you can do and do all the good and be all the good that you can be and make positive change in the world, but have a plan because that graduation date comes and it comes quick as all those people who graduated today, very close people, close to me graduated today, and I wish I had been there with them to celebrate the, one of the happiest days of their lives with them. But sometimes life is serious. Yeah. You can't always do what you want. But I'm proud of them, and I'm, I'm happy that they graduated. And this is the greatest times of your life. The rest of your life is ahead of you. This chapter ends, but all good things must end someday. And this uh one of my favorite songs by Chad and Janice, a summer song. It's proclaimed. They say that all good things must end someday. Autumn leaves must fall. And this is just a chapter of your life that has closed. It was a good chapter. You'll never have another time in your life like college. And you will miss it so much after it's gone. But again, life is finite. It doesn't matter if you're a believer or you're not a believer. This part of your life. If you're not a believer and you believe that this is it, then this is it. If you are a believer, then what after, what's after this is greater, but this part of your life is meaningful. And once it's over, it's over. You can't get it back. So enjoy every moment. You can't live every day like it's your last day because no one will get any work done. I guarantee you, if you live every day like it was your last day, I would never go to a meeting in my life. And you just can't have a live a life like that. You can't have a job like that. So but what that means is make sure that every single day of your life is a quality day and that every chapter of your life has fallen. And when one ends, acknowledge it. You can be happy. You can be sad that this part of my life is coming. To an end, you may have wanted it, like those people that study hard and they've earned that degree, and you go into a lot of debt earning that degree. But with that degree, you give the tools to pay off that debt and to give back, like we talked about before, and and to to build the life that you want to build. But you can be sad with that part of your life over at the same time, and it's okay to be sad. But then look forward to the next part of your life and make that a good part too. Make that just as good 
if not better, chapter that you're ending now. And that's the best thing that you can do for your life because at the end of the day, all you really have is all you really made for yourself. Those that love you, those that care about you, those that have helped you along the way, you owe it to them, you owe it to yourself to pass along that to someone else. And never let anyone bring you down. Never let anyone kid you or make fun of where you're in. If they make, if you go to a job interview and they say, did you go to college or did you go to so-and-so trying to joke, saying the name of the college that you went to, stand up and tell them to go to hell because you didn't want that job anyway. Never put down where you come from. Be glad that you've made something of yourself. And for those of you out there who are having a hard time, I know about the struggle. I struggle too. If you've been down on yourself, tap, tap yourself up a little bit. You know, if you're starting from zero, you got nothing to lose. So walk around. Play some classical music. Get some exercise. It was hard for you to lose weight. It's hard for me to lose weight. If you fall 99 times, stand up 100. Turn your life around. Get some help. Talk to somebody. Talk to a therapist. If you don't like that chance, like what they say, find somebody else to talk to. Make your life meaningful. Nobody's going to come in and make your life meaningful for you. But if you're starting from zero, work hard. You can turn that zero into a one. You don't have to be a perfect 10 overnight. Be happy with who you are because that happiness with who you are is the only thing that matters. You can only make yourself happy. You can't find happiness in a pill. You can't find happiness in a bottle. You can't find happiness in food. They make you feel good for a while, but they also make you feel bad after that. So make yourself happy. Work on some things. If there's something about yourself that you don't like, like I said before, go out and get help for that. You can turn it around and turn that zero into a one and that one into a two and that two into a four. And pretty soon, you'll see the results. It's all about the little wins at first to keep yourself motivated and to keep yourself going. You know, this is the land of opportunity. And the opportunities are bright out there now. If you had a hard life, stand back, take a deep breath, then move forward again. You only stop uh, growing and living when you stop living. And that's when you die. Until then, everything's good. You can get up and move around. If you eat 10 pizzas a day, about today just eating nine and a half. That is a start. If you want to run that marathon by next year, why don't you start by walking around the block? And once you can walk around the block, head up walking around the block twice, and pretty soon you're up to a half a mile, then a mile, then a 3K, 5K, 10K, 
half a marathon, and pretty soon you're running that full marathon and you're winning that full marathon, you're in first. And even if you're not first, you're second. And if you're not second, you're third. And even if you're last, you know what? The last person that finished the marathon still finished the marathon and is still lapping everyone that is on the couch. Go out and get it. Don't be scared. Go out and try out for that play or go out and try out for that team. Put in that application for that new job, for that promotion. Put in that application to start school or a new vocation. And I know what you're thinking. I'm scared. What if I don't get it? You already have a guy. You can't get more not on the team than you are now. You're already not there. You're already not losing your weight. How about trying? If you try and you fail, at least you try, but you will always hit 100% of the targets that you never aim at. That's just the way that life is. Go out, take a risk, and that risk, I guarantee you, will pay off. We're almost out of time, but I would like to thank you, as I do each and every week, and I will continue to do each and every week. Thank you for joining me here every Saturday night. On the Comedy Shack, to those that listen live, and if you download and listen later, thank you for joining me, for taking some time out and listening to uh, to me. I really appreciate it more than you will ever know. As always, to follow up, you can always contact me in tw- on Twitter. I am on Twitter at the Joey Harris. That is at T H E J O E Y H A R R I. Yes. I'm also on Facebook. If you're on Facebook, hit me up and send me a friend request and tell me that you listen to me on the comedy chat and I will uh, be friends you. I am on Facebook at facebook.com slash joeyh37. That is J-O-E-Y-H-3-7. And as always, you can email me, joeyharriscomedy at gmail dot com put on the subject comedy or the comedy chat and I'll get right back to you. Again, I'd like to thank you all for joining me tonight. I'd like to give a big shout out to Big TJ, the CEO, the one the, the big man, the head of this Go Radio Network, above and beyond, takes us every single week. I'm Joey Harris and I again like to thank you all for joining me this week. We'll be back next week to talk about any and all things comedy, and I'll also share some recommendations, jokes, and stories from my own life. But that's all the time that we have this week. So until next time, good night, and God bless.